If you have your Bible, you can turn to Genesis 4. I'm going to set this. So last week we looked at Genesis 3, the, the sin, the fall of Adam and Eve, uh, and the implications of that and how it, we can practically uh, live a life where we're not constantly overcome by temptation. And so this morning we're going to move just to the next chapter, Genesis 4, uh, looking at uh, Cain and Abel. I, I titled this, The Cost of Complacent Worship. Um, and, and so I want you to understand that um, as we look there and you turn, that Cain brings an offering before God. So it's not that, it's not that Cain just completely dismisses God. It's not that Cain um, doesn't believe in God. It, it's that Cain came before God complacent, just kind of okay with his, his sacrifice, not, not going out, not, not going to do his best, not bringing his first. And so I want to look at this passage today that I believe for, for a long time, or ever since I've been in church, I've never really heard it preached right. Can I, there are a lot of preachers I've never heard. Some may be watching today. You, you preached it right. I didn't get to hear you. Uh, so I want to preach it right so that at least you guys kind of understand the implications that we see in the offerings of both Cain and Abel and the consequences of coming before God complacently. So, so what's that mean? What am I, what are, what's the question we're asking? What am I saying is this? It's not enough just to go before God. We talked last week about Adam and Eve's sin and how Satan doesn't mind you believing in God. Satan has absolutely no problem with you believing in God. He just has a problem with you having God as the Lord of your life. And so if he can prevent you from being the, God from being the Lord of your life, then he's had victory. And now we see that kind of moved into the next progression of sin. Understand first sin, right? Original sin, Adam and Eve, disobey God, pridefully want to be like God. It looks good to eat, they eat, and they recognize for the first time their sinfulness. We're not a chapter later. In fact, we're just a couple of verses later, and we're going to see sin progress from simply disobeying a command of God to, to literally murder. Over the, over the course of just a couple verses of Scripture, we've moved from the first disobedient act to now the first murderous act. That's how quickly sin escalates. We're only a couple chapters away before the sin of mankind is so great that it grieves the very heart of God, and he decides, I'm going I'm to just start over with Noah and his family. This is how quickly sin can begin to run rampant in our own life as individuals, in our lives as families, in our life as a church. Sin progresses a lot faster than we want it to go. And one bad decision today can ultimately result in life-changing decisions before I even realize it. And so we have to make sure when we come before God, we're not coming before God complacent. Just here, God, I, we come, we'll come on Sunday, we'll, we'll sing a couple songs, we'll give our tithes and our offerings, and we're going to go home. And so we don't mind giving you Sunday, but God, we really don't want you to interfere with our life every other day of the week. God, it's okay, I want, I want to be saved, but I don't want you to change who I am. And so this notion of coming before God complacently, but that's why so I just want to, I've, I've gone through this, I've, I've said this because I want you to get the point. It's not that Cain didn't go before God. He did go before God. But it's the manner which he goes before God that results in the consequences of his sin and his disobedience. And so let's pray and then we're going to read 
from Genesis 4. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to read, study your word. Uh, Lord, we're gathered together as the body of Christ, whether it be in a church building and in living rooms and kitchens and, uh, Lord, through Facebook Live with, with people throughout our entire community, throughout our city. Lord, in some cases, even out of our state. And so we thank you that the church is not a building, but it is the people that come into the building. And when we can't get to the house of God, we're still the church of God. We're still the body of Christ. And so this morning I pray that your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and our minds wherever we may be. Lord, allow us to be attentive and open our eyes and ears to hear from you. And Lord, that is our prayer, that through the Holy Spirit of God, you speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you can turn to, again, your Genesis 4. What I would like to do is uh, read uh, 4 to about um, 16, and then I want to read 23 and 24. And uh, so let's just begin. The man, it's talking about Adam. The man was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have made a male child with the Lord's help. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock, in their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? You might want to underline that. That's a, that's a principle to live by. Cain, if you'll do what's right, then your offering will be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper or am I my brother's guardian? And then he said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give you a shield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Since you are banishing me today from the face of the earth, and I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth, whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, I want you to just look at 23 and 24 because we're only a few generations now from Cain. So uh, 17 to 23 give us kind of, uh, this is Cain's son, this is grandson, this is great-grandson. And uh, Lamech is uh, talking to his wives in verse 23. Lamech says, Ada and Zila." Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. 
Pay attention to my words. For I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged, then for Lamech, it will be 77 times. We're going to get a little deeper into that, but I just want you to notice that how quick sin is progressing. And that's why I read those two verses, 23 and 24, because Cain has killed his brother in an act of rage. But now Lamech is killing and, and bragging about it to his wives and in essence mocking God by saying, well, if God protected Cain seven times, then the vengeance will be 77 for me. That's how quick sin begins to run rampant. So the first thing I want you to see, just kind of jumping in in the first five verses, uh, this is what, this is a principle, and I think it's an important principle if we're going to live a life pleasing to God, and that's this. True worship is determined by what God demands. It's not determined by what you want to donate. Make sure you hear that. An offering is not an offering before God, a genuine act of worship, if you're just kind of tipping God. But, but a true offering and true worship it's to do what God's called you to do and to honor God. And this is what Cain fails to do here. Cain, with his offering, does not do what God's required. I've heard so many people, you read it, it kind of reads, kind of a cursory reading. It looks like, man, Cain goes before God and he's a farmer and he brings his produce before God. Why, why is God picking on Cain? That, that's what some people read this and see. And when you understand, God's not picking on Cain. Cain comes before God in a manner that's wrong. Right? We just read it because God says to Cain, Cain, if you do what's right, then you're offering to be accepted. But you can't come and do what you want to do. You can't just complacently approach the throne of God. And I believe that the church today and throughout the centuries, all the way back, generations past, we have a tendency at times to go before God, go before the very throne of God complacently. Like you're just talking to a big brother or a granddad. God's not your big brother and he's not your granddaddy, he's God. You can't just complacently go before his throne. There has to be a tenor of fear and respect and awe and wonder when you go before God. How many times do we just simply, you know, lackadaisically just do what, you know, yeah, I'll read the scripture. I'll, I'll read my chapter today. It's, you know, I've got to read three to get through it in a year. And so I don't really want to read it, but I'll read it. I'll check that box. I'll be done. That's not worship. And that worship will not be accepted by God as true worship. Or we come in and the offering plate's passed around and we throw a dollar or two in there. We kind of tip God. God's not interested in your tip. He's interested in your obedience. Or I go to work, and I act one way at work and another way at home and another way at church. And I'm just kind of complacently drifting through life when it comes to my relationship with God. Friend, if you're not intentionally growing closer to the Lord, if you're not daily seeking Him out, if you're not daily spending time with him, then you're not growing closer to him. You're, you're drifting further apart. You are drifting in isolation from God. You will drift to the point where you even no longer hear the voice of God clearly any longer. We can't be complacent when it comes to our relationship with God. If we come complacent before God, God will not receive. He will not even respond to our offering. He wants our best. He wants our first. He wants our all. He wants our love and the devotion and admiration 
And we've got to love and admire and devote more to God than anyone else. And it's only when we do that, it's only when I approach God rightly that I can approach man rightly. I can't love my wife the way she deserves to be loved until I first love my God the way he deserves to be loved. And my God deserves all my love. And this crazy thing happens. When I love God with everything that I am, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, all of a sudden, I'm not loving my wife with my love. I'm loving my wife with his love. I'm not loving others with my love. I'm loving others through the love of Christ. And my wife deserves to be loved the way Christ loves. And so we won't cheat those around us. But how do we do that? We do it simply by approaching God rightly. If I don't approach God right, I can't approach others right. If I don't love God right, I can't love others right. And so if I want to love with the love of Christ, even, even those who are enemies, how do I do that? Because I love God with all that I am. I'm not talking about me personally. I'm talking about us as a people. You really want God to honor your life? Then honor God with your life. You really want God to bless your life? Then be a blessing. Go before God full-hearted, full-throated, right? Holding nothing back. Give it all to Him. Anything you hold on to, you never really get to have. But everything you give to Him becomes eternal. So here Cain is standing before God. He brings this offering before God, and God doesn't even acknowledge that this is an offering. This isn't even worship. Here are the two things I want you to see. These are, this is what makes the offering of Cain unacceptable by God. First is this. It does not require the blood sacrifice of innocence for our own sin. You see, what God created through the sacrificial system was that it would point us to Jesus Christ who would shed his blood, innocent blood, for our sin. And so when God installed this, and when God said, this is the offering, this is how it's done, it was to point us to Christ who was coming. And so to complacently bring an offering before God is to be nonchalant about the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is why God takes it so serious, because it symbolizes the death of Jesus, the, the, the sacrifice of Christ. This is why God instituted in the Old Testament. And so when Cain comes nonchalantly before God, it's like us being nonchalant about the cross of Calvary. Ah, oh, yeah, he died. I, I believe they probably nailed him to a cross. I mean, I've heard it my whole life. I, I, you know, I think, I think he probably was a real person. I think he probably died. You know, I, I, I probably believe in the resurrection. That's just complacency. And that kind of, that kind of faith is no faith. And that kind of worship is not worship. And if that's what you believe, then you haven't believed the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are not saved. Come to terms with, with this. You have to acknowledge, believe with all your heart, soul, mind, strength that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's God himself. He's the Word made flesh. He died on a cross, lived a perfect life so his death could be a sacrificial atonement for us. Because I'm not sinless. And I'm not perfect, but he is. And his death represents for me life. 
And so all through the Old Testament, we see the sacrificial system where they brought the innocent, the best, the, the spotless, and the, the one without blemish, that it might be sacrificed to God. Why is that so important? Because it points to the ultimate sacrifice, Christ. And so if you took a blemished lamb, then, then it's more than just providing a lamb that's not the best. It's not pointing to the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. So the first problem with Cain's offering before God, the first thing that, that makes it unacceptable by God is it's not even the type of sacrifice that God demanded. If you're not perfect like me, you need a Savior, Jesus Christ. And he can only be Savior if he is the spotless Lamb of God without blemish. And so when we approach God in a manner that in essence almost blasphemes the cross. When you take a, a spotted lamb, you are blaspheming the cross of Christ. You are saying, we don't need a spotless lamb. So there's the first problem. The second problem is this. It's where the offering came from. So if he's supposed to provide a spotless, perfect sacrifice, then he can't bring it from the land. Why can't he bring it from the land? Because in Genesis 3, God cursed the land. And so Cain is bringing a sacrifice before God that God has already cursed. How can this be accepted by God when God has already cursed the land? The land has had judgment poured out on it just like mankind has. And if man's not sufficient to be sacrificed for our own sins, if it requires a Savior to do that, then neither can the produce of the land be provided in perfection. And so here Cain is bringing, first of all, an offering that is not sufficient to cover his sins. Secondly, he's bringing an offering from the ground that's cursed. He is bringing an accursed offering to give to God. Why? Because he's complacent. I'm not going to take the time to go find a spotless lamb. Listen, it's available because his brother Abel is a shepherd. If he really wanted to make an acceptable offer before God, it's real easy. His brother's the man to see. He's got flocks. Cain doesn't even take the time to go get a spotless lamb or a lamb. No, nah, he, he works the land and it's just right there. This is, this is readily accessible to him. This is easy. So he just takes some. God, here's my offering to you. Here's my worship of you. And God looks at this offering in the way that he should, in the way that is just. And that's, this is not an offering at all. Don't bring me your leftovers. Don't bring me that which has been cursed. How are you going to offer a sacrifice, an offering, worship to a perfect, holy, just God that is cursed? And so his offering is rejected. I believe that brings us to the, to the next point. And that's this. That true worship, it's dependent on repentance, not resentment. So if I really want to worship God, it means that I need to 
evaluate my own life and see, God, have I been bringing you my best? Has my worship been true worship? I'm not just talking, understand, I'm not talking about money here. You, somehow, we associate offering with money. I'm talking about worship here. Do we worship when we give? Yes, if we give rightly, it's worship. If we give wrong, it's not worship. But here's what God says to Cain. He gives him an opportunity to repent, right? Cain's furious. Cain is angry. Right? You've accepted my brother's offering. You haven't accepted mine. And God, in his justice, says, Cain, if you do what's right, it'll be accepted. I want you to notice, God hasn't condemned Cain at this point. In fact, he's really calling him to repentance. Cain, if you're, if you're angry and upset because your offering was not accepted, then just do what's right and it'll be accepted. Do you get that? God's saying the same thing to us, right? I mean, the, the word never ceases to be truth. If you're not taking your best, if you're not giving God your best, if you're not loving God with your all, then God's response to you would be no different than it was to Cain. Do what's right, and it'll be accepted. Repent of it. Genuine repentance. I want to change. I want to turn. I'm tired of walking down this complacent road where I'm just kind of getting by. I'm just kind of hanging on to my faith. It's not really growing, and I'm not really doing anything to cultivate it, but, but I'm just hanging on. God says, no, do what's right, and it'll be accepted. Do what's right, and it'll be worship. Do what's right, and it'll be like incense to me. It'll bring glory and honor to me. Are we glorifying God if we bring a cursed sacrifice? Understand that what you give to God in your worship is a reflection of what you believe about God. In your heart. Cain goes before God with a cursed offering. It tells us a lot about how he views God. When you come before God and you hold back, it tells, it tells you what you really believe about God. When I wake up worried about everything and scared to death of everything, that tells me a lot about what I believe of God. I, it's easy to read and it's easy to say that we can trust God with everything, right? That this should go even without needing to be said. We can trust God with everything. No matter how difficult. Josh and Jen, you can trust God with Maverick. You, you lost your job, you can trust God. He's a good God, and He is a great God. And how we live and what we offer to God will tell us what we really believe about Him. That boy's four pounds, what, eight? Is that right? Four pounds and eight. Four ten. That boy's growing even while we're talking. Awesome. Doesn't mean we don't have moments of doubt and concern and scare, and, but we give it to God. Josh didn't be going through this thing when he 
said, you know, if we knew what God knew, then we would not change it. We would, we would see this is the way it should be done. That's harder to say now, but it's what you have to do. And you live by it and you see what I believe about God is directly impacted in how I live for God. God can't bless me if I'm bringing cursed things before God, things that aren't even worthy. And yet, God, we all do this, right? Listen, every single one, before we're two, and I'm not talking about killing your brother. I'm talking about bringing a bad offering. You with me? There, there are times in our life where we, we do, we bring an offering before God that's really not our best. I'm not talking about your money. I'm just talking about whatever it is, whatever season of life you're in where we come before the throne of God and what we bring God is not our best. And God's saying, just do what's right and you'll be accepted. Cain, you're furious and you're angry. You don't have to be furious and angry with your brother or me. Just do what's right and you'll be accepted. Notice God hasn't condemned Cain at this point. In fact, he's given Cain all the opportunity in the world for repentance. We all have a little bit of Cain in us. We're all a little hard-headed at times. Or we allow pride to well up within us. And I'm not going to say I'm wrong about this. Or I'm not going to change how I live. Or, Pastor, if you're talking to me, you can go ahead and talk to somebody else, right? Because me and God have an arrangement, and I'm comfortable with the arrangement me and God have. You, you might be uncomfortable for eternity if you think God has a special arrangement just for you to live however you want to live. What are you bringing before God? And if you're guilty like I am of not always bringing your best, then hear the words of God today. Just do what's right. Do what's right and be accepted. This is the solution. God's given Cain the solution. At this point, Cain should be relieved. He was furious before. Now he should be relieved. I just need to get things right in my own life and bring to God what God deserves. That's all he's got to do. God's not asking them to, you know, sell around the world three times. Just bring what's right. Just do what's right. That's all God asks of us. Just do what's right. Live in a manner that brings glory and honor to God. Do your best to live at peace both with God and with men. True worship is more about repentance than it is resentment. And we see a pretty clear picture of the path that Cain chooses, right? Cain is less concerned with repenting and more concerned with resenting his brother. That rhymes pretty good. I'm, I'm proud of myself on that one. I just kind of heard it for the first time. Feel good. God, I'm bringing my best to you. All right, the best alliteration I can. Yeah. Let us be more concerned with repenting than we are with resenting others. At this point, now it's become about Cain and his brother. Cain looks to his brother and sees an enemy. Why? Because he did what was right and it was accepted. Here's what I want you to see. Just three points here. First, a lack of repentance and acceptance of responsibility in our life will, will lead to anger. Let me, let me say that one more time to make sure you get it. When, when we're unwilling to repent, 
when we're unwilling to accept the part we play and the way we feel, it, it leads to both agitation and anger. Cain's not willing to look at his own pride and say, I brought a bad sacrifice. That, listen, this is all Cain's got to do. My bad. Here's the right one. That's all God asks of him. It's all God asks of us when we mess up. All right, it's all right. Do what's right, and you'll be accepted. When, when we say we've messed up and we do right, that's just, that we mean repent, right? That's what, that's what we, in the church we call it. Outside the church, we just call it doing the right thing. Do what's right, and you'll be accepted. I don't know how many of you have multiple kids or grandkids, but um, and my, this isn't my kids, they're all perfect. But anyway, you ever notice how sometimes resentment, look, I'm just talking about because I've seen it on movies, not because I've seen your kids. But you ever notice how like one kid who does everything right stays out of trouble? You know, I, back in the day, I said, you know, keep, keep their nose clean. That's what they used to tell me, keep your nose clean. And, and then there's another sibling who just likes to get in trouble every day. And that sibling thinks that you love the other one more than you love them. Why do you always fuss at me? Why don't you ever fuss at them? I was the good sibling. Janet was the bad. We've, we've lived this out, right? And so Janet's like, why does Bruce never get in trouble? The, the true answer is Bruce never got caught, right? But, but to my mom and dad, it's because I didn't do anything wrong. Y'all seen this, this sibling rivalry? The reason we don't fuss at X is because X doesn't do anything wrong to be fussed at. The reason you get a whipping every day is because every day you do what's wrong. Just do what's right, and you'll be accepted. Do what's right, and you won't get a whipping. Do what's right, and you won't get your stuff taken away. If you do what's right, you'll see that you're treated the same way as your brother or sister. And I want to tell you that this is what's taking place. Cain looks at Abel and says, why did God accept his sacrifice? He thinks he's better than me, or God loves him more than me, and the more he looks at someone else, rather than looking at himself to take responsibility for his own actions, the more angry he becomes. You ever been like, I'm going to tell you the truth, I know exactly what Cain felt. I felt it before. Not with my sister. I felt that before, like, uh, why does coach treat that person better than he does me? Because that kid lifts weights every day, runs five miles, is practiced 30 minutes early, stays 30 minutes late, and, and, uh, and polishes his shoes every day. What do you do? Come 15 minutes late, leave 30 minutes early. I, I don't, don't do half the drills, and when I do them, I just barely go through the motions. That's why coach is tough on you. Just do the right thing. You'll be accepted. 
This is all God's saying to Cain. So let, let's make sure we don't read the whole thing. Let it all collapse in before Cain kills his brother. Let's look at what's going on. The sacrifice isn't accepted because it's a cursed sacrifice. And he's bringing uh, you know, produce when what was meant to be a sacrifice to glorify and honor God was that of a sacrifice that demonstrated the innocent blood of a lamb being shed for the sins of man because that's what Christ was going to do. And the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb who would die for my sin and your sin and the sin of the world. And so this is a big deal. We might read and think, it's not that big a deal. He brought some fruit or, or he brought some vegetables. What's the big deal about that? Because it, what God commanded them to do was pointing us to Jesus. And some cursed vegetables don't do Jesus justice. It doesn't point us to the Savior who is to come. But even in that, God doesn't condemn Cain. He just offers him an opportunity to repent. Remember last week when Adam and Eve sinned? It's not them. They didn't go seeking God, but God came seeking them. This week, when Cain brings a, an unworthy sacrifice, he doesn't seek repentance from God, yet God seeks him to offer an opportunity of repentance. So what is it in our life today that we need to repent of? Because if we don't, it will result in anger. Anger and a loss of hope are a bad combination. Listen, when you're angry and you think all hope is gone, that's a, that's a dangerous combination that leads to rage. And we see this in Cain. He's lost all hope. In fact, I think mine says he's despondent. He's lost all hope. He's angry and without hope. And it leads to rage. Listen, I, I pray that we can get rid of anger before it becomes hatred or rage. But if you're holding on to something that you've been holding on to for a long time and it's become hate or rage then whatever it is, you need to give it to God right now because it is killing you and eating you alive from the inside out. It leads Cain to do the unthinkable. To lure his brother out to the field so that he can murder him. The third thing is simply this. The solution for our anger the solution for our emotional problems. You with me? Because this is an emotional problem as well, right? That physically he's angry. Physically he's enraged. There's some emotions going on there. And then he carries out this heinous sin of murder. You want the solution for anger and for emotional problems? Here's what they are. They're repentance, spiritual formation, or discipleship, or renewal, or revival in your own heart, in your own life. Renew, renew your mind, Paul would say. Take in the Word of God. Spend time in prayer with God. Get alone with God for your own sanity. You want to be spiritually healthy, then we've got to check our emotions. And the only way we can get our emotions in check is by continually renewing our mind. Philippians 2, Paul would say, having the mind of Christ. And here's the third thing, and then I'm going to begin to wrap up. There are always consequences for sin. 
Last week, I shared the same thing, right? Why does it come even into more focus now? It comes even to more focus because the result of Adam and Eve's sin has now led to their oldest son murdering their younger son. That's a direct consequence of the sin of Adam and Eve. Doesn't mean Adam and Eve made them do it. It means that the consequence of our sins, they, they travel way past our life expectancy. They're ingrained in our, our family and the legacy we leave behind. And the only way we change that, dependence upon God. So Cain's sin resulted in punishment from God. The bad offering, Cain repent. Cain refuses to repent, acknowledge his own pride, acknowledge where he's went wrong, and now that leads him to deeper sin by committing murder. And at this point, there's no coming back for Cain. The consequences, hey, Cain, you're going to be a wonder on the earth. We notice several things. One, Cain lost his occupation because of his sin. Our sinfulness, listen, it don't have to be murder. The Lord Jesus said if you're angry at your brother, you look at your brother with hatred in your heart, then you've already murdered him. So in the New Testament, for us believers, that means to hate, to look on someone else with hate is the same consequence that in the Old Testament there was for murder. I don't know any other way to say it. I just take Jesus that he probably meant what he said. There are always consequences for our sin. Here, listen, if you're living a sinful, prideful life, a selfish life without putting God first, it can cost you your livelihood. Too many of the guys that I went to seminary with are no longer pastors today because of sin in their life. Good men who love the Lord and yet somehow got outside of his will. It cost them their occupation. God says if you work the ground, remember Cain was a farmer. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. This is who Cain was and what Cain did. And now the ground will no longer bring forth crop. He's banished from the presence of God. He's banished from his family. What family has left. And he's banished into isolation. It cost him more than he wanted to pay. This is what sin does. It, it costs us more than we're willing to pay. In verse 13, he says, my punishment is too great to bear. The consequences of my sin are too much for me to bear. Wouldn't it be something that we were able to kind of look ahead enough to say, boy, if I don't get this thing straight in my life, down the road, looking at what's going to happen, what it's going to cost, it is not worth it. Do what's right and you'll be accepted. Do what's right, repent, God will forgive you. Let today be the day where you repent, where you lay down your pride, you give it to God, and you say, God, I can't fix this problem in my life on my own. I need you to fix this problem for me. So I, I yield, I surrender, I just lay my life down. I'm falling before your throne, just falling on my face and giving all of it to you. It led to generations of rebellion. I read 23 and 24 just to give you an illustration that only five verses later, 
about four generations later, Lamech is bragging about murdering people to his wives. And then mocks God because God protected Cain from death. Mocks him. Well, if God gave Cain, he said it was going to be seven times over vengeance to those who hurt, then it would be 77 for me. Just openly, willfully bragging about killing some young person, some youthful person. And then saying, well, if God, you know, if Cain could murder and get away with it, and then I can murder and get away with it even more. And so make sure that you understand this, friend, that the sin that you're committing and living in today is the sin that you and your family will be paying for tomorrow. You're the only person with the help of Almighty God and His Holy Spirit who can change your actions and your lives. Well, how do we apply this? What does this mean to me today? Over 4,500 years later, if you hold to a literal view of Scripture, close to 5,000 years, maybe, maybe more. What does it mean to us today? Well, here's the first thing. Always bring your first, your best, what God requires, and your offerings before God and do it in true worship. It ought to be a joy to give to God. God, our, we've got a person in the community needs a handicap ramp. We're going to give our time. We're going to go work on that. We really don't. It's an example, okay? Don't sign up for a handicap ramp. It's not like... God, we're going to give you our time. We're going to go and we're just going to give our time and we're going to take the resource we have and we're going to bless somebody with it. Do it joyfully, cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. When you come into God's house and the plates are passed, or not anymore because of coronavirus, when the plates are sitting there for you to drop your tithe in, are, are you really being obedient to God? Are you giving God? Listen, friends, if you feel like you can't afford to tithe, then I'm telling you, you can't afford not to. You say, well, well I, I can't afford to give God an offering. Friend, you, if you can't afford to give an offering, then you can't afford not to. You desperately need God to be in control of your finances if you're struggling. And the only way that you can give God all, all, all of your finances, you'll see that God takes your finances and, and they stretch a little further. And they go a little deeper. If you can't afford it, I'm just telling you from experience, you can't afford not to. I can remember when we were younger, Sonia and I, although we're not old now, just want to throw it out there, sitting in church and the offering plate's about to come by and wondering if we had enough in the bank to cover the check we had just written. But it wasn't until we were obedient in our giving that we began to see God stretch what we had. I don't know. Maybe more years than not, um, what we make doesn't fit up with what it costs to live. But somehow, we live. Somehow, we get through. And I can only tell you that, that God's been faithful to us as we've been faithful to him. But you do it cheerfully. Not be, 
Well, I've got to. No, you get to. God allows you to take part in his kingdom and his ministry. You get the opportunity to participate, not to just sit back and spectate. Boy, I'm on fire with the rhymes today. <laughs> Always bring your best. Remember Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts? They come before God, they've sold a piece of land, and they give it to the disciples. But what they tell them is, we're giving you everything we made, when in fact they kept some for themselves. What happened? They fell over dead. Their soul was required of them at that moment. Man, they gave to God, and still they died. Why? Because they lied to God. Remember, you didn't lie to man, you lied to God, is what the disciples tell them. Be a cheerful giver who loves the opportunity to give back from what God has blessed you with. If he's blessed you a little, then you can be a little blessing to others. And if he's blessed you a lot, then you can be a big blessing to others. Always keep a humble and contrite spirit. That's what we need. This is what Cain's missing. He doesn't have the humility to say, God, you're right. I should have never brought this offering to you. It was wrong. Here, I'm bringing you the right offering. In repentance. Always have a humble, contrite spirit. Be willing to repent. You might not need to repent today, but give it a little time. I'm sure something's going to come along that you need to repent of. Right? And God's waiting, willing, with open arms to hear our prayers, to, to see our heart. And a humble and contrite spirit, God blesses. Isaiah, Isaiah 66, 2 says, All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one of whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Be humble. How about this? Become your brother's keeper. Cain's response after killing his brother, am I my brother's keeper? Jesus, in the story of the Good Samaritan, Shows us what it means to be your brother's keeper. The great commandment. Love God with all you are. Love others as well. Four. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And it will take you places you really don't want to go. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Look to Cain's life as an example of what not to do. And then here's the final thing. In humility, we need to strive to walk before God, serving Him, and to the very best of our ability, imitating the Lord Jesus Christ to those around us. Because Christ paid a pretty high price that our sins could be forgiven. I love Isaiah 53, a beautiful passage of Scripture that points to what Christ will do. I just have two verses that I'd like to share out of that, and then we're going to close in prayer. Uh, when we close, um, I ask, even, even if you're watching by Facebook, that after we close, just spend some time praying, reflecting. This is what Christ did because of my sin. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted.
But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we pray you speak to our hearts and minds. We thank you so much that you are waiting with open arms, offering repentance for us, giving us the opportunity because you seek to be in right relationship with your people. And Lord, we have all sinned. But God took my sin and he placed them on Jesus Christ. And his death paid for my sin in full. It's why I have hope and I have peace. And for any who may be living without hope and peace and joy, I pray that they would put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Because we've all been like Cain. But Jesus came even for those of us that our sins were great. And so we ask you to lead us and guide us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.